Hi, I'm Bailey. And I'm Serena. Welcome to season three of the Creative Baggage podcast. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Erica Peel about learning to trust ourselves. We discuss our tendencies to become obsessive in our practice and go too far in any direction, asserting that taking things to the extreme is often a result of our need to impress others. We also acknowledge that life isn't as clean-cut as we would like it to be, and that it's okay to feel like a mess. At the end of the day, all we can do is find a sincere reason to be doing what we're doing and put ourselves out there. I restrict my students' practice time because I don't want them spending hours upon hours upon hours on the instrument because then they're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, then they're not they're not getting the full give back in the sessions if it's just slaving away. And I used to do that too. I used to practice my undergrad. It was like, who's practicing the most? It was like a badge of honor. Yeah. You know, how many hours are you practice? Well, I'm practicing six hours, you know? And it's like, it felt weird and wrong, but I didn't really know why. And then I had a baby and that was when everything, (laughs) when I had no time, you know, I had, you know, she was down for a nap and it might last for 20 minutes, you know, so what are you going to get done (laughs) in these 20 minutes? Like what, you know, you have to make headway here. So what are you going to do? And that kind of focus practicing because I didn't have the time, you know, it forced me to be really productive And that was when I started doing well in auditions was after I had no time. It's just so funny how that works. (laughs) It's wild because I think, at least I definitely grew up with this idea of like, I had some peers that I looked up to and they were day in, day out, just like grind, 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 grind. And I was like, I've got to do that. And it's funny because those people were actually brass players and they had a different they have a different set of needs, right? They have a different set of muscles that they do need to like work out a little bit more than we do. A lot of them blew their chops, you know? Um, And I I think we all have injury, right? There's injury that can come from that. And even without, you know, having to do the mouthpiece struggle with the chops and everything, there are still injuries from hours upon hours upon hours of playing. Yeah, I actually had a mental injury, which was scary. Like, <laughs> I don't like. I, I don't mean to be like this Bailey's fan session, but I literally no. got to the point where I had a mental breakdown because I would sit in the practice room for like five hours and I'd play for like ten minutes, and I did the rest of the time I'd just be sitting there like Walk, walking yourself through all the mental things going yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so like you know, luckily I was really lucky that I had like amazing support system and like I was able to get out of it, and now I feel. Sometimes I'm a little too loose now. I feel I'm like, oh God, I'm, I'm, I'm still young to be this relaxed about practicing. But <laughs> I, I now to the point where it's like, I just, I do not have the space to yell at myself for taking a day off anymore. Like I just, I, it doesn't even, that, that in my head, it doesn't exist because I purged it out. <laughs> you know? Good. Um, and now I have this dog. Where is she? Oh, baby. Yeah, there oh she my is. God. Uh, and she helps me. But, um... It's hard. And I still, I mean, even Serena, we were having a conversation the other day and I was like, oh, I didn't practice today. And then immediately, luckily, uh, lots of therapy has been like, no, Bailey, it's fine. Relax. <laughs> you don't have to practice today. But, First of all, everybody should be in therapy. Um, yes. Step <laughs> yes. one, like, I don't care if you think your life is great. You should be in therapy. <laughs> There's something. Yeah. We all have something, right? Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that my... 
mantra when it comes to practicing now is that I never just play. Unless I'm like, these days, you know, I feel like I just want to find some joy. <laughs> and so like, mm -hmm. I'll play a melody, but I have a purpose for doing it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, I never just like mindlessly play anymore. There's always some goal for what I'm doing. And I think before um, having Avery, it was like, I would just mindlessly put music up and slave away at it. And now looking back, it's just so bizarre. Like what a waste of time, you know, <laughs> to just like how much time did I waste putting music up there and just playing it while my brain was somewhere else completely. Oh, just yeah. thinking doing that, like that activity Definitely. would make me better. Where did that come in? How, you know, just playing through something is not, unless, you know, there's purpose to that and you're preparing for a recital and you need, you know, the stamina or whatever. But, but there were so many practice sessions where it was just mindless. Yeah. I feel like it's possible to fall down a hole in the other direction, though, because I know oh, this yeah. way is more common. But for me, I got sucked into the whole, like, practice hacks thing because I, I think, like, at some point I, I heard from a few different teachers, like, practice hacks. Like, oh, if you do this, like, you'll be more efficient. You'll be able to maximize how much you get better. Yeah. And to the point where I... And it's not those teachers' faults because what they taught me, like, are good tricks. But it's to the point where, in my mind, every single practice session, I needed to get this much better. <laughs> and oh, yeah. it was just, no, it's not possible. And, like, I've had to kind of slow down. And, and my current teacher that I'm working with now has been saying, like, don't try to get better. Like, if you can try to maintain consistency in a practice session of playing the same thing and being able to replicate what you did, that counts. I think if you are only worried about getting better, you'll also lose the stuff that you already have. And I, that's what I found was happening in my playing was like, I was so hyper-focused that I was going to get this tuning really, really good that like <sighs> yeah. literally everything else didn't matter. Yeah. And then I didn't hear that I was doing everything else poorly. Yeah. And it's really hard not to hyper-focus on a goal when it's so important to you, like playing this excerpt in tune or getting my rhythm exactly right in this section. And then you stop caring about like, hey, I cracked 17 notes in this excerpt and it's not even yeah. that long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's totally a balance to, to all of this. Yeah. And knowing, knowing yourself, learning about yourself through the process too. Like for some people, they need that even and not not the goal of like I'm getting better but like hey I'm going to address this today <laughs> you know like I this is my this is going to be my focus on the practice session and I also use recording a lot more so than a tuner and a metronome mm. like my recording devices and I do it I don't record and then listen back later I record two bars and then I listen to those two bars <laughs> and then I get them how I want them to be and it, and it may be just intonation like you were talking about, or it may just be, I want to get those two bars sounding like me. Like I'm happy with how those sound and then replicate that, uh, be able to do that again and again and again. But yeah, I think there's, there, I mean, there's a balance to everything. Right. And so, yeah. so learning what works for you and then what's too much, you know, I always appreciate when my, my students go too far. Like I ask them to do something and they come back and it's like, over the top the thing and then it's like okay thank you <laughs> I'm so glad you listened now let's take it down a notch you know let's, let's shave some of that off I feel like I'm the queen of going too far in every direction <laughs> I just zigzag because I think the practice hacks period of my life came from 
the over practicing period of my life. And I went too far for a handful of years when I was quite young, like middle school, early high school. And then I was like, this ain't working. Let me try it that way. And I also went too far. But every time you go too far in a direction, you're like convinced that that's the right direction that you should be (laughs) going. I wonder if I just to speak to the efficiency thing, I, I think it's the same in the sense that you weren't again, you weren't practicing for Serena, you were practicing for efficiency. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think it actually is similar in a way, because again, it's, it's not, no matter what you do, you've got to do it for good, happy, self-motivated reasons. Right. Because it's, it's almost the same of, of me saying, I want to practice for just for length and longevity. And then you saying, I want to practice for efficiency to get the most done. When the truth is like, we should just be practicing to build you know, trust in ourselves and and to have a good time and to prepare something, yes, right? Really. So I think it is different. Like they're two different, like excessive things, but it's still, I think now what's better and I'm definitely not perfect. Like I have a lesson at noon and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> but, um, you know, but I still now, at least I know that I'm doing it for Bailey. And I think Serena and I, that's kind of why we started this podcast was I felt like, you know, both of us were doing things for the wrong reasons, Um, and when we did things for ourselves and maybe, maybe for the sake of music, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, it it just, it feels easier because then it feels like self-care instead of like a chore. And I I mean, I still follow into it yesterday. I felt like practicing was a chore and like, that's life, but just trying at least moving towards positivity is, is helpful, you know? Yeah. This conversation reminds me of when I was potentially wanting to transfer from my undergrad, which I I went to University of Miami in Florida, which at the time was not a a good classical school. And so in the middle of it, I was considering transferring. And one of the teachers that I auditioned for sent me a letter of rejection. Um, But in it, she said, (laughs) so much rejection. Um, In it, she said something like, of course, I can't even remember the good things she said. This is how our minds work, right? I think she said something good about it. I don't remember what it was. The thing I heard was you really need to refine. You need to work on refinement. You need to refine your playing. And like you said earlier, Serena, not her fault for saying that, you know, like she was right. But I went yeah. <laughs> down the road of <laughs> refinement. And that's, I think, where so much of my like came in, my like stay inside the box because I felt like everything had to be in a pretty gift bag. And, um, and I went to that extreme of like over refining to the point where I lost any sort of, um, individuality, you know, cause it just all had to be perfect. But it reminded me of that, of like going to the extreme of, uh, especially when you're, you're a student, I, I think mm-hmm. this trust that you're talking about in yourself is so hard to, to internalize. Um, because yes, as musicians, I think so many of us have this like need to please people pleasing, you know, parts of our personalities and having a teacher that you respect so much just feeds oh, into yeah. that. Like, Oh, I just want to make them happy. And, yeah. maybe, and I, I totally suffer from that too. I remember going to this therapist for the first time and she <laughs> like, I think it was three sessions in at the end. She's like, I love working with you. And I thought, Oh, she likes me. <laughs> like oh my god like and then I thought is this a test like is she testing me to see like how much I you're not supposed no this is not how therapy works yeah I feel I felt like 
when I first started seeing my therapist that like somehow I needed to like impress her with the amount of self-reflection that I did. Oh yeah. A thousand oh, percent. One time I was catching myself lying to my therapist and I was like, what's the point of this Bailey? You're going in there. Like, you know, this is a non-true. I was basically telling you how great I was doing. And he's sitting there. My therapist is like, <laughs> okay, so why are you here? And I, in the back of my head, I'm like welling up in tears. I'm like, I'm not doing fine. And then eventually I admitted that. But like, it's like, you're paying this person exactly. to tell them oh the truth. God. And like, it's just, it's wild. I, 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 was a, I am a chronic people pleaser. I even found, I, th- yeah. I think that's actually what got me so good in high school was I loved my flute teacher so much. She's like this, she was a sweet, like Southern bell just like just just such a nice lady and I just never wanted to disappoint her um and it worked out nicely because you know I ended up getting good and 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 good enough you know (laughs) to want to do this professionally but then I got to college and then I have another you know Mimi is so nice um and it's the same thing I'm like I don't want to make her upset but that's not what it's about like I'd actually now for the first time it's like in a lesson she'll really you know say something with conviction and I would Back then, I would think, oh, my God, she's mad. But she's just trying to get her point across. And she's trying to help me. She's not doing that because she thinks I'm bad. She's like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, the lessons are not something that you go in to measure up to. Like, she's just there to help me get better. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Actually, I feel like now I'm thinking that this, like, betterment hole is a lot more dangerous than the time hole because you can only put so much time into your playing that's, like, reasonable that you won't, like, collapse or just completely not eat and sleep. And I don't think people generally get to the point where they're literally not doing anything else. So, like, yeah, you might be practice over-practicing, but it's limited. Mm-hmm. I feel like with the betterment thing, because it comes from our own insecurity and our own lack of trust in ourselves, it's infinite. Like, you're infinitely going to think that you need to get better and that you're not good enough if you can't accept that you are good enough and that you want to get better, you don't need to get better. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's a very fine line, you know, of <laughs> of, of um, doing it. I feel like The Bachelor. Are you here for the right reasons? Um, <laughs> of, of doing what we do for the right reasons, of bettering yourself, like Bailey said, you know, for you. Because you, you know, have this desire for growth, not because of the judgment of other people that you feel coming at you, Um yeah, and it's it toting that line is is not easy, and I think we we fall on either side of that line all the time, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Like, and so it's just kind of walking the tightrope and just being aware. I think self awareness is such a huge part of it of being aware of when you're doing something because you're out of fear of being judged or out of fear of disappointing a teacher, and when you're doing some something, whether it be work or a performance um, for you or to share or to be connective. I mean, there are so many reasons that we we can try to be better that don't have to do with, you know, making everybody else like you. <laughs> Unfortunately, I just wish everybody else would like me, but it's not how the world works. It was right after I won the job with Philly and they made the announcement. And in some comments of somewhere that I read, uh, somebody said, Again, I can't remember exactly what it was, but the air of it was like, how could they have picked her? You know, go listen to her on her website. Like I had a Telemann fantasy on there. Uh Go like that Telemann, yada, yada, you know, like something negative about it. And I 
Like, it was like a week of like obsessing about this sad human who felt the need to write (laughs) something not nice or relevant either. Like, and, um, but I've, I took it off my website like immediately because I was like, oh my God, it must be awful. (laughs) Like, if he, you know, said that, I don't want anybody to hear that. And I took it off and like it was like this deep dive of just, I don't even know who this person is. I shouldn't care who this person is, but it's like one person who doesn't like how I play something. Who cares? Like, why do I care about that? But I like, it was a week long of it, probably even more um, of just feeling like, you know, I, this person doesn't like me. And, and I, there was no, no face to the person either, you know? Yeah. And so now I want to put out, like, I want to record all of the Telemon fantasies on, <laughs> on Piccolo. Yes. And it's going to be like my, my therapy for this. Like, you know, I don't care if you don't like the way I play <laughs> Telemon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just to combat that, like, you know, those things stick with you. Like, oh my gosh, that somebody doesn't like me or they don't like the way I play. And yeah, that's going to happen. It's hard. It's okay. It's like I had to like I had to let myself feel the feeling of like I want I don't want anybody to think that I'm a butt kisser and I want everybody to love me, accept that, and then move forward and be like, well, Bailey, that's just not possible. And it was hard. Serena helped me through it. Oh, you guys are so lucky to have each other. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we, <are. laughs> we cry together a lot. Um, <laughs> a lot, a lot less than we used to. Um, but it was, you know, it was, you know, we had. It just... We're a bunch of crybabies. Well, no, I think it's important to sh- like. I mean, it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about being honest um, about your journey and about your struggles. And um, I think that in our business, especially, I think it's so important to shine light on that. Um, because there's been this stigma that, you know, people in our profession are perfect and they don't struggle. We just are artists automatically. And it's also, and like, that's just not real. You know, that's, I think it's really, it's great what you guys are doing to spotlight the totality of our business, the totality of who we are as humans and what, how that enters what we do for a living. Um, and it's, it's important to, for people to know that it's okay okay to feel these things and that there is like you know through all of the struggle that I've been through to I never would have thought that I would have ended up here you know and I did because of all that struggle that I went through I mean it sounds kind of cliche but it's when you live it it it's no longer a cliche it's like really Mm -hmm. it really resonates you know that all of that crap and all of that trying to people please and figuring out how to practice like Um, even just if somebody had told that to me, you know, if there are other college kids listening right now, like if somebody has said that to me, I don't know if even then I would have been like, oh, okay, now I'm going to fix all. I mean, it, when it hits you, it hits you, you know, (laughs) like people can tell you things and it doesn't really, the light bulb doesn't necessarily go on yet. Mm -hmm. But when you live something, then hopefully somebody will think back to, you know, one of your podcasts and be like, right. Okay. Now, now I'm connecting the dots. Now I get it because it resonates with them. No, my poor. Yeah, every time I have a click, it's like, oh, I've heard this before, like a lot. And I can't believe I didn't listen the first time or I didn't really hear it or register it the first time. But I've heard this from like everybody along the way. Oh, yeah. But it's also beautiful to like feel the compilation of it all, like adding up. Yeah. Instead of just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do what she just said. And then you don't think anything more about that. It is, it is beautiful. You're right. And it's and it's really you saying that um, really resonates with like 
why I think sharing these stories and sharing the stories of struggle, especially from those people who have, you know, the perceived idea of success now, who have the jobs, like to be honest about that so that, you know, people can see the beauty and all the struggle and, you know, the, the yeah, challenges so that we messy. face. It's yeah. messy. And I feel like we feel the need to like clean it up all the time. Even in the practice room, like a lot of the times I don't want my practicing to be a mess and I want it to be clean and nice. And so I work in a very like contained way, like we were talking about before, or just like in your daily life, like they're just going to be days where you're a mess or they're going to be moments or even like huge time chunks of your life oh, where yeah. you're a complete disaster. <sighs> But if you're like so worried about keeping that contained, I feel like you're kind of hindering your own growth to get to the point where everything is or looks put together. But since we all do it and we all try to look put together all the time, like we're almost tricking each other into thinking we're all doing. Yeah, great. we're enabling this <laughs> this idea, and yeah, it's, it, um, we're all you know a part of the of the problem of, of continuing this idea that it has to be pretty package. I mean, if you think back to being an audience member at a concert, which ones were the most profound for you? Uh, which ones touched you in a certain way? I guarantee you that they were not the immaculate, you know, ones that were super clean and put into a pretty package. So yeah. um, to that point, I think that vulnerability on stage is something that we all should strive for instead of pull away from but of course, that's so much easier said than done. I mean, even just having that vulnerability in your in your life outside of music is so difficult. So then to put that out there in front of a room full of strangers, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a big ask, I think. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, leave us a review, and consider becoming a monthly donor. We are also excited to launch our website. Give it a visit at creativebaggagepodcast.com. Thank you.